0: I'm not going to lie, I poured myself a double shot of just straight whiskey.
1: That's the smartest thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> it's the I... only time
0: I felt I've needed it for a recording.
1: Like, just write, like, I didn't even want to write notes for this episode because I didn't want to experience my thoughts twice. I just want to put them out there and then have them disappear from me forever. <laughs>
0: Hey everyone, welcome to Adapted for your Viewing. My name is David and I watch too many movies.
1: And my name is Amanda and I read too many books. We are brother and sister and this is our podcast for nerds where we talk too much about movies and the books they're based on and tell you which one is worth consuming.
0: Yep, and today we will be covering the YA sci-fi fantasy Artemis Fowl, including the first book of an eight-book series published in 2001 by Owen Colfer, and the very newly released 2020 directed Disney Plus film, directed by Kenneth Brana. We want to know everything about the man I work for. The
1: man? Oh, 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 no. This isn't about the father, this is about the son, Artemis Fowl. You've grown strong,
0: son. Smarter.
1: If you are unfamiliar, don't worry. We'll be doing a spoiler-free chat for the first half of our episode. And if you are familiar or don't really care about spoilers on this particular book-to-movie combo, stick around. So real quick, we are going to give you a brief summary on the story. And it turns out that this book and movie are pretty different. So I am going to just give us the... Summary I wrote for the books And then we'll dive in Because this is a, a, a podcast about how things are adapted We'll start there And then we'll talk about all the changes that were made Because even if I do the summary It will seem like two very, very, very different stories So... In our book, we have Artemis Fowl, who is the son of a missing criminal mastermind who discovers the existence of the people, who are a magical civilization existing under our own, and kidnaps a fairy in exchange for a literal ton of gold. Uh, He's also 12 years old, so he's like a little 12-year-old jerk genius. He's
0: a 12-year-old jerk genius, yeah.
1: (laughs) With the help of his trusty bodyguard, Butler, and Butler's WrestleMania sister, Juliet. He'll use his wits as he tries to be the first human to outsmart the people, uh, which is a great premise for especially a kid's book. So, excellent premise. Excellent premise. So, David, what was your first experience with the story?
0: So, despite such an amazing premise, I never read these as a kid.
1: Oh, that uh, makes me y- so sad.
0: <laughs> yeah. You wanted me to read these so bad. But the thing is yes, is... I was like 12 years old. You gave me the first book and I read the summary on the back and it mentioned fairies and me being Ow. a 12-year-old, 12-year-old boy that thought like BMX was cool and his greatest dream was to be in the X games. I saw that and I was like, this is lame. I'm reading Animorphs instead. So I never read this book series, which is to be honest, a shame. I really should have read it. but Especially when the you're 12. Of...
1: I feel like this really hits home for a 12-year-old.
0: Yeah, I think it was just the mention of fairies. I think yeah. like I saw that and I was just like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this.
1: I found them. I don't know how I ran into them. I think I was just going through, it was like mid-high school and I was going through a phase where I was reading a lot of uh, a lot of like fantasy YA. And uh, I think I stumbled on it because I had, read everything Percy Jackson that was out there at the time and looking for something else. And um, I vividly remember because I picked up the book. I didn't really know anything about it, uh, except I had heard some like good buzz about it. And I brought it on a family trip to Florida. And I read the entire – it's not very long. And I read the entire thing in the car ride down to Florida. And I was like, <laughs> well, this is the only thing I brought. So I guess I'm going to read it three or four more times while on vacation.
0: <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I remember did. that vacation because I had my game boy the entire mm-hmm. time. So I was entertained for hours and yeah. hours.
1: Yeah, no, that was the only, for some reason I thought I'll just bring one book and it was the biggest mistake ever. But I ended up reading this book a couple times. It was, it's entertaining every single time. So I read it several times and then I came home and read through the uh, rest of the series he's been releasing stuff since i think he just released a book last year that isn't part of the artemis fall series but uh involves uh two additional characters from that universe uh so i think he's branching off a little bit uh but no he's still still writing and still pumping out books interesting
0: well Mm -hmm. well tell me a little bit more specifically about some book facts here
1: yeah. Uh, so Owen Culver, the author of the series, was a middle grade teacher before he started publishing. Uh, he described this book in particular as fantasy diehard for kids, which is just exactly the best. That's
0: so yeah.
1: accurate. I was Very trying to think accurate. of something
0: succinct to describe it as, but like yeah. fantasy diehard is exactly what this That's is. That's exactly
1: what it is. If it's, as, it's like reverse diehard. So if the protagonist of diehard was Hans Gruber, uh, this would be exactly <laughs> it. Hans Gruber of this world.
0: Hans. I would. Oh my gosh! Now that I'm realizing that this book is basically just the story of Hans Gruber as a child, mm-hmm. makes it so much better for me. Yeah. Isn't that so good? much better. I yeah, know. that's amazing.
1: Uh, it won it's won tons of awards um it was it almost all of his book series has been on the New York Times bestseller uh, and this book in particular has won the British children's Book of the Year award when it came out it has been adapted into two very good graphic novel series that I highly recommend uh, the very first one is free on Amazon so you can go check it out download it right away and uh, it was adapted into a movie we're about to talk about. <laughs>
0: uh, these movie rights were snatched up pretty quickly. So they were snatched up in two thousand one. Yeah, and it was purchased. yes, which is which is always a good sign. Um, Miramax films purchased it. And it was just in development hell forever. You know, they constantly went through different casting choices, different directors. It was always a screenplay that was just on the desk of people, but it was never put through. And a lot of people felt like it sort of missed its timing because it came out so far after or it was in so much development hell uh, after the books had finished that everyone was scared to adapt it. Mm -hmm. So then it comes out in uh, 2013. Disney uh, announces that they had purchased it and they want to convert the first and second novel into one movie. Already sort of a, uh, I would say, an adaptation no-no for me is combining two books into one, but whatever. Uh, They get Kenneth Branagh, which I hope I'm saying it. He's the director of Thor, uh, Thor. Murder on the Orient Express and the future of Death of the Nile, yeah, a yeah, whole bunch a of stuff.
1: Audrey Lockhart from the Harry Potter movies. Yes,
0: yes, that's a much better way of saying it. <laughs> uh, but again, even though in 2015 it was announced he was on it, it still went back and forth in development forever. Uh, but finally, Disney announced it would be released uh, in August 9th of 2019. But It was then again delayed, but by almost a year until uh, March 2020. And then unfortunately in March 2020, something called the coronavirus hit Mm -hmm. and Disney announced that it would then be put into the Disney Plus catalog instead of doing a full-on theatrical release, which again is basically the 2020 version of a direct-to-video movie so not the greatest development uh (laughs) and it, it again one of those things that are a big warning sign for any adaptation but let's sort of discuss maybe the book First, before yeah. we talk about the movie, and even then guys, I'll be honest with you, we're not going to spend as much time as usual in the non-spoiler territory. We're probably going to quickly go into spoilers. So please, again, maybe watch it before we get into stuff. But I
1: feel like <laughs> I feel bad telling people to watch this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I do too. So let's let's here's the thing. Let's talk about the book because yeah, I I, really like <laughs> I genuinely want to talk about how much I like the book.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah. What do you think about the story, David? Now that, So this is the first time you've ever read it.
0: Yes, this is the first time. And I knew coming into it the general idea of the Artemis Fowl character, but I was still very surprised by this because in a lot of ways, this book plays out like a movie.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: there aren't a lot of chapters the chapters are actually fairly long mm-hmm. uh and it has a pretty solid three act structure to it mm-hmm. but what i was most in love with this book about is just artemis Fowl as a character is so interesting because he is not a good character at all yeah mm-hmm. he is selfish he sort of uh takes advantage of situations Sure, you could say some of his intentions are good, but like a lot of the things he does does not make him a good protagonist. And I love that as a chat or a children's story because so often you get like this. Chosen one narrative, you get uh one of like this person who's the ultimate power to save the world and I'm looking at things like Harry Potter, uh-huh. Percy Jackson, things like that. And this story just isn't that. It it yeah. It plays a lot on adult cop and action movies, more so than traditional fantasy genres.
1: Well, everyone else in the story besides Artemis is an adult. And so even though they're in a children's book, they still very convincingly act like adults, which is kind of surprising for a YA book like this. Uh yeah, I felt the same way. Where I I read it the first time, and immediately, like in the first couple chapters, Artemis is a super interesting character. He has like a very Sherlock Holmes, but like <laughs> as a villain. <laughs> yeah, vibe to him, and they even make like a joke uh, or two in the book about it. Um, but the entire time, he has this conflict where he's trying to regain his his uh family's riches because they're a bunch of you know they're a bunch of richies on this huge manor and stuff um and he's determined not to be like the first fowl who's lear- who's lost their like I don't know their riches and their their home and stuff like that so he's he's determined to keep his family in <laughs> tons of wealth so that's his main goal which is not a very honorable goal <laughs> and then on the flip side there's kind of this simmering background um, conflict where he's worried about his mom's health his, his dad is missing and presumed dead but he doesn't really know how to feel about it or what really happened um, and he's always the smartest person in the room but at the same time he he's very aware that he's 12 years old and that he has like a certain amount of sentimentality that he's trying to quash and that's just a very interesting character in a kid's book. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything else except in maybe like a handful of TV shows that play with those themes. Uh, so, yeah, the character is super interesting right out the gate and his cast around him are super interesting. Uh, Holly Short, who's the officer he ends up kidnapping, is uh is the first female in her like elite Oh yeah, Um, And she's super like she's out to prove herself and she's super smart and interesting. She straight up punches him, Artemis Fowl in the face (laughs) at one point, (laughs) 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 which is great. Um, Butler, who's literally his butler named Butler, uh, which sounds like it would be annoying, is a really interesting character. We get a couple of scenes in his head and he's like a tactical genius who's trying to take care of this kid. And that's great. Um, He has like a real The Rock vibe. And so, I oh yeah, him. yeah, and even uh, his sister Juliet, who's like kind of this throwaway character, um, is really interesting. She's just as tough as Butler. Uh, she's obsessed with wrestling, and um, but she's still like a teenager, a teenage girl, and like how he plays off with her is is funny every single time. So like all the characters are really rich characters, and on top of that, it's a really clever story where. Oh, yeah. Artemis is put into what seems like an impossible situation, and you kind of know he's going to get out of it, but you don't know how he's going to do it. And that's the fun of the book.
0: Yeah, I think the reason why, especially the characters hook me in so well, is because he's really good at taking these types of tropes from, again, adult mm-hmm. action and cop movies, whether, you know, Artemis reminds me of, uh, like, Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the cops remind me of any sort of cops in any sort of movie, yeah. any sort of criminal. And so they play off a lot of these cliches and tropes, but he does such a great job at still inserting so much personality into each character that it doesn't just feel like a carbon copy ripoff. Like mm-hmm. The fact that Juliet just talked about uh, wrestling the entire time was absolutely hilarious, and it's- I loved it. And I love that she's even though we
1: obsessed with US wrestling. I think yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, her character could have been completely throwaway and boring, but they made her so interesting that I related to her. And the same thing goes for Butler, uh, any of the cops. It yeah.
1: Julie's it may- is so good as the police chief.
0: Yeah, he's like, he's, he had like some
1: serious like JK Simmons vibes and I really liked him
0: I pictured him exactly as JK <laughs> right? Simmons that's exactly what I pictured him as so all of these work well because uh you're establishing it on previously known like tropes mm-hmm. so when you start inserting some of the weird fantasy aspects that you know were interesting I didn't like necessarily fall in love with some of the fantasy aspects but all of it played uh so well when mixing it in with these types of tropes that I was familiar with that I it was a perfect blend. I loved it. I absolutely loved it.
1: Yeah. I there yeah, there is some like small yeah. details to this that I totally forgot about. Like I love that Artemis starts off his story by decoding a book in a different language. Um yeah. That's completely like alien to all human language. And in the book itself, it has a gnomish written on the bottom, and you can decode it and find out what it actually is. There's like a key in the back. And when Mm -hmm. it was initially published, it didn't have the key. And like people on the internet figured it out. And there was like a whole subculture about that. And it just like brought me back to that back in the day. It's just like fun kid stuff in there. And. I really wanted all of that fun to translate into any adaptation that came after it.
0: The book is just so smart. I think that it works for kids. It works for adults. Really works well for adults. I think this is just a fantastic novel that you can read in an afternoon and be completely satisfied by it.
1: Did you, I really want to know, did you guess the ending? How he was going to get out of it?
0: I did not, which was great. Yeah. It's it's it was really refreshing to be able to get to the ending and not know what he was going to do because mm-hmm. I mean, typically I'm pretty good at like picking up cues and stuff, but I genuinely didn't know. So that's a uh, a little bit behind the scenes. I actually watched the movie f- uh, um, when I was about two thirds through the book. Okay, oh, really yeah because i had to, it was just how my schedule lined up because i had yeah. promised people to watch it with them
1: yeah, yeah um
0: so i will say that i watched the movie and it made me so excited to return back to the book because i, mean, I was like there is no way the ending is the same <laughs> that's so funny yeah uh but do you have any other lingering thoughts on the book before we get into non-spoilers on the movie
1: um. No. I mean, I just think it's just a fun read. So even if like YA isn't like your usual thing, if you like, um, you know, fantasy, action, and mystery, I think it's really fun for all those. I really like the mystery in this book. Uh, because it's not like a whodunit mystery. It's a mastermind mystery. So it's a how is he going to get out of this kind of mystery. And I feel like it's so rare, like you said, to have one of those and to not be able to see it coming from a mile away. And Owen Colford does a really good job at putting all the clues there that you would need to figure it out, um, but not explaining it in an explicit way so that you're still surprised by the end. And it's just – I, it was just—it was a joy to re- reread. I really enjoyed going back to it. I read it in an afternoon, and I still love it.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely go read it if you haven't. I made a big mistake as a twelve-year-old. <laughs> the X Games were not cooler than this.
1: <laughs> it's good to know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's um. Oh, gosh. It's okay, going to be it's going to let's just say this right here. It's going to be impossible to talk about this without talking about spoilers. So let's just talk about the premise differences and tell everybody to skip this movie. And then we'll go into spoilers.
0: Yeah, we're just going to we're just going to blaze through this so we can get right to spoilers, because yeah. I'm. gonna we'll just say our general thoughts and like get to it, because there's it's it's just a lot, guys. It's just yeah. so much. Yeah. So Amanda, what are your general thoughts of the movie?
1: Um, this is the worst movie adaptation I've ever seen. It has, we have
0: found the floor. We have found We've, it. We we found it.
1: Here's the thing. You may think we're joking when we say that we are not. So this currently has a Rotten Tomatoes score of I think 10, yes. percent and that is that is both in agreement with viewers and critics. So yes. like everybody who has gone through watching this agrees this is rough guys like it's it's not even that it is a bad adaptation it's that the movie that they somehow piece together is so strange and not enjoyable in the least
0: to watch. yeah i would like to say at this point i feel like we have a good grasp on what Uh, creators and directors do to adapt a book to make it good. And I think this movie does a great job at doing none of that and doing the worst (laughs) thing possible. Because it, A, tries to combine the first and second book together. Two, uh, I said A and then two, which is as (laughs) incomprehensible as this movie, okay? Um, The plot has way too many things going on uh and also three nothing
1: it, going on at the same time
0: but also nothing three it completely changes the main character aka the entire mm-hmm. interesting part of this story they completely change all the
1: characters all the characters all are of
0: different. them all of so them are different
1: let me read the summary i wrote for this movie
0: yes please
1: so you guys can feel how different it is so instead of what we had above, we have in this movie, Artemis Fowl is still the son of a criminal mastermind, but his dad has been kidnapped by a fairy ultra-villain instead. And the fairy demands Artemis to deliver him something called an Oculus or an Aculos or something like that.
0: <laughs> they they switch it up, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's something super, super magical and powerful I still don't know what it is Um, in exchange for his father's life. The problem is it's hidden somewhere in Artemis's house and he's not smart enough to find it. So instead he kidnaps another fairy. So the fairy police will send in a dwarf who can break into his dad's safe to get it out. And then he tries to save his dad somehow
0: Okay, you just gave the audience a ton of favors, too, because you explain things that the movie does not explain at all. It does not explain that it's in the house. It does not explain his plan. It doesn't explain most of okay. that. So you have made the movie somehow more more understandable than it Here's actually presented.
1: Here's the problem. It Okay, I will take that because, yes, that, that that it took me a while to come to the conclusion that that's what actually happened in this movie. So, yes, it was a little bit of work to get there. The movie does tell you all these things, but it tells you them so fast and mixed in with so many other useless things that don't end up happening in this movie that it's so easy to miss. And on top of that, this is a dumb plan. I don't, like, if Artemis wanted to find, if Artemis needed help finding a safe in his house, which, first of all, he's supposed to be a genius. He should be able to do that anyway. And he needed a very Particular creature. Why would he kidnap a completely different creature in order to get to the other creature? Why not just go find the actual creature that he needs? Well,
0: Amanda, you've you've figured out the pro- the big problem with the movie is at the it's end stupid. of this movie. At the well, it's stupid. At the end of this movie, Artemis Fowl says the words. Uh my name is Artemis Fowl and I am a criminal mastermind. He's and done during nothing the movie control. they he's have d- done. he's done nothing criminal and he has shown zero <laughs> things to the audience to indicate he is a mastermind. <laughs> so uh, you just end up yelling at the movie because <laughs> it's like it the main character has experienced <laughs> something completely different from the yeah. dumpster fire you just spent 90 minutes <laughs> watching.
1: I almost, no joke, I almost turned this off after 14 minutes into this movie because we get introduced to our protagonist and the Artemis Fowl that I've read eight books about is a pale weakling who, de- who only only wants to like solve puzzles and doesn't want to be outside and he has like bad social skills and stuff like that. He starts this movie off by surfing, David. <laughs> That's I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I like I literally saw that. I'm like, no, I'm going to hate this. <laughs> this is going to be terrible.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I think <laughs> I think what disappoints me so much, too, is I'm not surprised that the editing and pacing of the movie is all over the place. But especially the editing, you could tell that they are. Are about thirty extra minutes of this film that we did not watch. I this is a tight like, ninety-minute film.
1: No, I think there was like there was like a six-hour cut out there, and they literally <laughs> pieced together a completely different movie from what they had. And yeah, I have a couple. I have a couple it, theories behind it that we'll talk in the spoiler section.
0: Okay, how about this? Uh, let's just tell the audience: this is a bad movie. This, this is, is so really bad. bad. I, this is incomprehensibly well, you know, bad.
1: Is there anything redeeming about this movie? Do you have anything nice to say about this movie? No,
0: I don't. I can't I, even muster <laughs> anything. I have nothing. Everything is bad. Nothing is good. I this is two, the worst I thing.
1: Nice, I have two nice things to say. It's like one and a half nice things to say about this movie. Okay. The Artemis foul manner is pretty cool. And re- it's beautiful. Uh, you could tell they put a lot of time into the set they have a ton of details um i read like some behind the scenes stuff of production and literally the only thing they talk about in those articles is the set design which i think is is honestly a huge red flag that i should have seen coming (laughs) but (laughs) they built this they took i'm guaranteed like half of the hundred and 25 million dollar budget that they had and built their own mansion for this so that they can uh like dynamically use it they totally thought that this was going to be a successful series and so they built like an actual house for it so they can keep coming back to filming in it obviously that's never gonna happen oh the
0: ignorance oh (laughs) you naive producers
1: (laughs) (laughs) so every time they like moved inside the house i was like oh this house is dope so that was nice.
0: Okay, fine. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. The house was cool.
1: <laughs> the house was cool. Um the uh city of Haven, the 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 fairy city is is pretty cool too. It's all right. Um it's underground. There's a a fun mix of like technology and magic. Um the CGI was okay. It didn't, I didn't hate it. Um but I it also like <laughs> There's also like some nitpicky stuff to it. So it's like a half compliment. I thought I thought it was a cool vision for it. But that's it. Okay.
0: Everything, everything
1: yeah. Else it. Judy so, Dench is, yeah. Judy Dench is great too.
0: Ugh, I, don't, I they, don't know about that. I don't know about that. Despite
1: Despite I think they as put a, her through. Judy Dench is great. And okay, I can't Judy
0: Dench as a person is amazing.
1: Everything, everything they happen to her terrible, in this movie is bad. But she was great. <laughs> And if you are shocked that J- Dame D- Judy Dench was in there, I am on the same page with you, listener. I was livid when I saw her on the screen. I was like, oh, I was, no, so, mad. I was, I was so mad. I was so mad. So sad. For her.
0: Uh, they also have Colin Farrell in it for great. about
1: 90 also, seconds. I'm so sad he's in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I hated Josh yeah. Gad in it. <laughs> okay, let's okay, let's just jump
0: into spoilers. Okay. That's that's let's just do it. I can't, I can't, I can't talk about Josh Gad without yelling at this entire character. So, oh. so, so Amanda, Amanda, yeah. let's talk about our recommendations. Um, yeah. Would you recommend watching this movie?
1: Uh, not on my worst enemy. Oh so <laughs> no! If you, uh, it's not even fun to watch it, so you can complain about it. I wish we could go back in time and save us from choosing to do this movie because as fun (laughs) as it is to make David read this book, I wish I would have just recommended he read it for fun and then we never talked about this movie. So just skip it. Yeah. Do you recommend this book, guys? Just read the
0: book. Please just read it. It's it's such – I think that's the reason why it's – so frustrating is because I read again I read two thirds of this book and then Mm -hmm. I watched the movie and it only made me want to read the book again okay this book is amazing please read it never watch this garbage fire
1: it's a really strong opening to a pretty good series Um, especially if you have like an 8 to 12 year old I think they would friggin love it Uh, but I think it's it's enjoyed by all ages and highly recommend
0: highly recommend okay let's get let's just get into spoilers it's (sighs) Okay. your father is in a complicated profession for years he has protected powerful secrets that have kept mankind safe from the dangers of another world it's time to face your destiny okay okay I'm gonna start with something I think we're both in agreement of and that is Artemis Fowl as a character is completely different in this movie you already alluded to it he uh he surfs there's an action scene when he fights he yeah. he doesn't really outsmart anyone and i think the biggest change that they made is in the book he comes to discover this entire secret civilization by himself mm-hmm. he decodes something he figures it out you believe by the second chapter of this book this dude is an absolute genius yes. this movie does none of that. And I think it's because they wanted to make Artemis like a relatable character for kids that could see themselves in his shoes, but it doesn't work. Artemis Fowl right. is not supposed to be a relatable character. He can be a sympathetic character, but right. he was not a relatable character. Right. And so they screwed up the the most interesting part about this entire series. They just threw it in the trash.
1: He he literally goes like He has dialogue throughout this movie where he's like, I hope it works out. And I'm like, no, you're – that's literally – your job is supposed to be two steps ahead of everybody else. And there's (laughs) – I got so angry. He has – so he has Holly, who is his kidnapped elf. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh in a cage just in a room in the middle of the house. Oh which my is god. This super is this weird. I hate
0: this scene. And it's just like I know what you're talking about.
1: It's just like a cardboard, like it's it's just like a wooden crate, which is super weird because she's like an elite police officer and she should be. And it's in, his kitchen. It's, like in his kitchen. it's in his kitchen. Yeah, I know it sucks. Um, but he <laughs> they're having like a conversation and they're like, My dad was kidnapped. And she's like, My dad is dead. And then he's like, can I trust you? And I'm like, where did this come from? And then he takes (laughs) off his sunglasses, which is supposed to be the thing protecting him from getting like, like mind controlled by Holly. And I'm like, why? And then she's like, I don't even want to touch that mind. I'm like, why? He has you under lock and key and you have the ability now to get out.
0: Yes. Yes. It was so
1: baffling. Like the movie didn't even follow its own rules.
0: No, it. Ne- that's the thing. This movie is constantly contradicting itself, which is unbelievable. Because I told uh, I was watching this with Eevee. And I told her about twenty minutes into this movie that if we turned off the video for the movie, there would be so much exposition <laughs> in the movie that I would still understand everything that was going on. Because not only is there a narrator that's telling you what's going on, they use the cliche of a news story that tells you what's going on multiple times, and there's many times when characters just outright explain what's going on in a the most buck wild way. Yes, it's they're just constantly exposition what's
1: happening but nothing is happening and it's really bizarre yeah
0: but give me amanda <laughs> give me another thing that frustrated you about this movie
1: i hated josh gad so much josh gad sucks i hated, I hated that he was like a, he was like i'm a gigantic dwarf just because they didn't want to cgi him into like a a dwarf and yeah his narration is terrible. His like he's captured in the beginning in and then he flashes back to tell the story. So he's telling us the story of Artemis Fowl which he has next to nothing to do with. And every time we flash back to his face he's in black and white. Yeah, they made it seem
0: like some secret spy movie when he was yeah. being interrogated, like the sort of style. And it never worked because the things he was saying was gibberish, nonsense, stupid talk. And he had this terrible
1: his voice to make him sound gravelly. I hated it. He looked exactly like Hagrid. I hated it. Um, mm-hmm. He also does this horrible thing where he unhinges his jaw to eat dirt so he can dig <laughs> into the ground and it's the most horrifying thing i've ever seen in my life. and yeah, if there was multiple times in this movie as if to shove it in your face that they really don't care about the audience watching this.
0: <laughs> if there was anything they could have changed to fit a more practical effect for this movie it would be removing the fact that dwarves eat dirt. It's not like it's a big thing in the book. It is. But how much different would it be if he was just a good pickpocketer and then he dug with his hands really fast? Yes. It would have been the same thing.
1: We could do it any other way, guys. We don't have to keep, like, it's a funny joke in the book because it's a joke for 12-year-olds where this, this dwarf literally chews the dirt to tunnel and... Like anything that tunnels in the ground, the dirt goes through him and shoots out the other end. It's funny in the book. we don't want to actually see that happening we don't I never want to see dirt or anything <laughs> flying out of Josh Gatton's butt ever again <laughs> and guys I'd watch it not once, but I think it happens three times in this movie.
0: The worst part is that they show his like his like dwarf underpants when he's doing it yeah, too, and, and, and there's like a right flap like a it's like a shredder or something, and you just and it's it's awful. It's terrible. I hated it. It sucked.
1: Well, and then like even the stuff that was I and I will, it sucks because I like Mulch Diggums. I think he's a really great character, and I think he's genuinely funny in the book. Um, and I think dwarves are really interesting in the book. They have this. Uh, they're great burglars, um, because they. Have these magical properties about themselves, like their bodies. And the thing about the people is they can't—they can't go into somebody else's house without being invited. And so dwarves make great burglars because they still have certain abilities in their hair and their jaws, and you know the way their body works, where it doesn't matter if they have those magical abilities anymore. He's willing to give up magic in order to steal from people. Yeah. And so he has this beard that he, every time he plucks out a hair from his beard, he can like it hardens immediately and he uses it for picks. It's just cool. It's a fun idea for a fantasy creature. And it's disgusting and terrifying in this movie.
0: It's it's oh, it's the stuff of nightmares. Here's this it's part awful
1: where Josh Gad is breaking into a safe and he's talking to it like he's violating it, and then he uses his beard for the last step, and the the thing cuts the camera cuts away from him, but his his beard starts growing and wiggling on its own, and it's the stuff of nightmares.
0: It's it's <laughs> yes, everything about this character is bad. And then at the end of the movie, he gets rescued in some weird Ocean's Eleven twist. But it's, it's like not a, not a it's not a twist.
1: I, it's, can't, I don't understand it because he says Artemis Fowl let him get captured so he could tell this story. Why? And then he pulls he unhinges his jaw for another horrifying time and he reaches inside to pull out a. Like a homing beacon, and it's the hugest, it's the largest tracker I've ever seen. <laughs> like bulb, and then he's like, see us suckers, and then he helicopters away. <laughs> yeah,
0: so I'm gonna get into my next big frustration with this movie, and that is the characters have. Zero reason to interact with each other in any sort of cooperation, Absolutely. yeah. Because there are there are four main players in this story. There is Artemis Fowl. There's Commander Root. There is uh 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 Short, and then there is uh Mulch mm-hmm. Mulchum, whatever you know, dwarf <laughs> man.
1: <laughs> it's yeah. Holly yeah. Short, Mulch Diggums. Mulch Diggums, Yeah,
0: Holly Short. I always forget their first names.
1: Yeah, yeah. but they use their last names <laughs> a lot, just like a police movie. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. So there are zero reasons for these characters to interact because Artemis kidnaps Holly Short and she just decides to like him and follow him and help him because they both have dad issues. Yeah. Uh, And then Mulch Diggums is friends with him because... Mm. Uh, Do they ever explain that? I don't think they ever explain that.
1: There's this crazy part where they're enemies one minute and then literally Mulch opens the safe And then they're all working together. I don't know why.
0: Yeah, I feel like we missed a scene where they were supposed to interact with them. Because Mulch is established pretty early on to be a man who works towards his own... Outcomes. He is he is only for himself. Yes. Yet, he just magically joins a team because it felt like they needed a Harry Potter casted team of characters to work with each other. But they didn't want to go through any of the work of actually making them like each other or going through trials together. Yeah. So, it's stupid. And then it comes to the – it it really came to a head when uh, a troll is led into the house and they all fight the troll. And at the end of it, Butler – um who by the way you're not supposed to call butler in the film for some reason you're just not allowed to don't, don't know why know they why. added that like I have no idea why
1: in the book it kind of made me mad cuz in the book his last name is butler and they aren't allowed like he's part of like an elite team like a, an elite family that gets trained as bodyguards basically and they aren't allowed to tell the people that they're protecting, their first name. And so it was like – and it's a big story beat in the actual series when his first name is revealed. It's like four books into the series and it's like this really tender moment. And they just say it flippantly in like the first 10 minutes of this movie – that makes zero sense because that
0: means the writer or the screenplay of this story had read all the novels and then purposely chose to just ruin it, I guess. And I no, don't.
1: It literally feels like they read the Wikipedia page, skipped the reading, and just made this movie.
0: It's terrible. Anyway, back to these characters. There is a part where Butler is hurt and he is very clearly going to die and it's supposed to be a touching moment but and like holly short is really distraught by it and she's like really broken inside but it's like wait why because you've been kidnapped you've been you've been like very clearly not treated the best by these kidnappers and yet you're really sad when he dies and for some reason yeah. the cop force as well wants to give her back her magic to save him and yeah. so the entire force wants and it
1: makes why. no sense it's wild. zero sense. Yeah, they're just like we need him back. So first of all, I I have a lot of feelings about this. But why does Butler look so crazy? Why did they give him that white hair and those weird blue eyes? He looks I crazy. don't know. Anyway. um, I don't know. (laughs) It's a weird casting to begin with because that guy is not intimidating enough. He seems like a big teddy bear and he acts like a big teddy bear. And that's definitely not the butler. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, The problem with that scene is that not only is it dumb, which it is, but it robs two two main characters in the story of their heroic moment because in the book, Holly – Breaks out of her cell very expertly. It's amazing. It's one of my favorite scenes in the book. And she gets there just in time uh, for this troll to show up. And so instead of hanging back and letting this troll basically take out her enemies, like the people who kidnapped her, um, because they're human and – don't have the power to defeat this troll, she puts on like her armor, grabs her gun, and goes at it, even though she knows there's not a chance that she'll survive it. And Butler is killed fighting this troll. And Holly's last thing that she does before she blacks out is to heal him. And so it's this great moment for Holly because it shows what kind of character she is and that she's amazing. And it's a great moment for Butler because he has this moment where he... Um, is suddenly indebted to his captor, and he starts questioning the plan, essentially. Like, he's been following mm-hmm. everything to a T, the entire story, and this is the first time where he's like, no, these are real people. This person saved me. Like, we really should be... Maybe this has gone too far. And it's a great moment for his relationship with Artemis. It's an amazing moment in the story because Butler gets up, having been healed. He puts on... um Medieval armor, and he just destroyed- one of the
0: coolest scenes. Yeah, the and coolest he scene by the
1: troll. Fire. It's awesome. And he is in the story, he is the very first human to ever d- kill a troll. And they haven't like on film because they're they have it surveillance and it's a cool moment. And all of that is dissolved into this super weird scene that makes no sense. And Rob CGI
0: every- bar fest of a scene. Yeah.
1: Yes, absolutely. And then They're in that weird room with all the mannequin dolls. I don't know why.
0: Yeah. And it, again, this comes back to my central theme, which is in the book, the reason why that scene is so great is because it's the first time that you as an audience sees someone on Artemis's team Mm -hmm. question him. And you start to realize, like, maybe Artemis's intentions are not great here. He doesn't seem like the good guy. Like most of this book, I am rooting for Butler. I am rooting for Holly Short. I'm not really rooting for him.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you start to question – you start to realize that Artemis is gambling with their lives and he's not taking it seriously enough. Yeah. And you don't really realize that that's his character flaw until that moment. And then you're like, I don't know if you like I want. I want him to win – because I want these people to survive, not because I want Artemis to win. And it's a super exactly. sophisticated twist for the audience.
0: Yeah. And all of that is lost in the movie for, <laughs> for, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Is there, what's another frustration you have that you want to dig into?
1: Okay. I don't understand why. Okay. Do you remember this character? Um, He is. Hold on, I gotta pull up the cast list. I feel like this I ca- think
0: I know who exactly who you're talking about.
1: He's such a funny character. Um, Briar Cudgeon? Is that how you say the last yes, name? Yes,
0: Briar Cudgeon. Okay. Uh, he was played by <laughs> Joshua McGuire.
1: Who who did fine. So Yeah, he- I think,
0: yeah, he's in other things. I'm pretty sure he's in he random did. British stuff like Black Mirror and stuff like did that.
1: He- is what he was given. He. Yeah. Is this hilarious character in the book who's a rival for Commander Root, basically? And he's uh, he's the FBI guys from uh, Die Hard who come in mm-hmm. and take over and just bundle the whole thing. And um, it turns he's like a really ambitious, greedy guy. And he's a great play off of the themes in the story already. He's a great uh, staple of like cop movies, and uh, he gets his comeuppance in the end. In but he's more in the or less movie. Like, he's more or less a harmless extra villain in the um yeah look in the movie, he's a spy, but he's also like the spyiest spied who ever spied around like he's like the most obvious spy. I'm pretty sure like the first time he talks to Commander Root. Um, in this movie who's dame Judy Dench. I don't know if we've mentioned that before, just wild cat. Oh yeah, Judy
0: Gents is in here, by the way. We're gonna get to her.
1: By the way. Just so makes my heart sad. She says the phrase top of the morning to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, okay, let's not get into this. Let's stay <laughs> let's stay focused on our one character.
1: He is sent in. You have a scene in the beginning, he is sent in by the cloaked bad guy who has who has kidnapped artemis's dad and she's like you've been cleared by the executives is that what she says you're yeah. going as a spy and he's like me a spy <laughs> and then have a scene with dame judy dench where he's like i'm sent here by the executives and i'm gonna watch everything that happens and i was like did you just tell her that you were a spy <laughs> Everybody know that you're. Were you supposed to say? Do you not? This is your first time. Do you not know how spies work?
0: <laughs> yeah, not great.
1: And then he takes over halfway through the movie, uh, just like he does, kind of in the book. But it's weird in the movie, and it looks like a coup, kind of. And then he just disappears because the time bubble explodes, and does something. Yeah. No, i don't really know what the time bubble. okay exploded. yeah real
0: quick on this time bubble because you know very early on they shoot the time bubble and it is shown to be unstable so the entire you know c plot of this movie is the fact that this time bubble is going to explode never mind you that they have seemed to have had unlimited time bubbles and they could have just brought a time bubble to put over the time bubble yeah. but that's hearsay <laughs> whatever whatever i'm not here to give reasonable explanations <laughs> yeah, uh, but so they have this time bubble, OK, mm-hmm. and then it comes down and it starts being unstable and I guess just starts killing fairies randomly yeah. and shooting I, them yeah, through time. I mean, it was really weird
1: they through time, but then they didn't really show. OK, here's the big problem with the time bubble. They showed a scene early on, which is the closest they ever got to doing a scene from the book where the troll is uh, running through a village and Holly has to go and save it. Uh, Save the people there. They send the time bubble there and it freezes everybody except for Holly. And then when they use the time bubble on Artemis's house, nobody is frozen inside. Why did they even have that earlier scene if it wasn't going to work the same way the second time?
0: Yeah, it's super weird because they they want they have that stupid scene with the troll that's basically just like a Quicksilver scene that every movie has done at this point, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of lame. Uh, but they establish that if you're in the circle, time is frozen, which is not how it works in the books. But whatever, they establish that this is how it works in the movie. Yeah, that's
1: the one rule they have.
0: Yeah, and then immediately they break it because they do it and for some reason Artemis is just not affected by it in any sort of way.
1: Zero explanation. Which makes zero sense. Which zero is explanation. Like the entire crux of the plot both in the book and the movie yes is so weird.
0: But so anyway, back to this time bubble now exploding. Yes. Uh they're making a big deal about it and Uh, Mulch and Short both escape the house and the commander is making a big deal about how she should not go back into the house and save Artemis Fowl. She should not do that. There's no point. Save herself, whatever. Then she has like some weird action scene of her trying to escape and then the thing blows up and nothing happens. Yeah, everyone's fine. Everyone's fine. So like, what was the whole point of being like, don't don't go in and save him. If literally everything was fine.
1: Okay. Here. I have some theories. Okay. I
0: think. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know about this. I don't know if we can make no, any no, no, sense, no, no, no. but go no, on. No, no, no,
1: Nothing that, nothing that would make sense from like a creative. I standpoint, see. I,
0: see. I, from, see. I like, see. I
1: see. Standpoint. Here's what I think happened. I have a theory about what happened behind the scenes. So I went back and read through a bunch of interviews by own call um, So I can find like some fun book facts. I always like to see what the author has to say about like, especially their first book being published. And he had an interview uh, right when Disney bought the rights to this, uh, where he talked about, uh, he's being asked about the script and the changes that uh, audiences could expect for the movie. And he said, the script is exactly like the, the book. And the only difference they had was they added an extra scene on the end to try and tease the next movie my my <laughs> here's what I think happened mm-hmm. I think we filmed the movie completely true to the book and then because we had we have that teaser scene that came out last year that's uh the opening part of this uh of this book that never made it into the final cut in the movie uh, Wait, that that's was there yeah by the way, that was the only scene I wanted to see and I was like, well, at least they they filmed this, so at least they'll film the part where Artemis goes and finds the book. No. Guys, the book isn't even in. The book is literally Oh my gosh, I feel like a, a nerd getting upset right now. Let's
0: let's <laughs> let's back up. Let's back up. Get back to what you were doing cuz we're we are right I, now in a rabbit hole within like 10 other rabbit holes.
1: <laughs> I think they filmed this entire movie true to the book. And then some idiot executive was like, we can't have a kid who's a bad guy. So they went back and they added stuff to it. And then the same idiot executive was like, cut out all the stuff where he's a bad guy. This is what I want the plot to be. And then they completely pieced together because this – Cut is so crazy. Like, all the edits are so fast. There's so many scenes where people are talking, and you don't actually see them talking. You're, like, looking at someone else's face, or you're looking at some scenery. There's so much voiceover in this. I I don't think almost any of the original, like, scenes actually made it into the final cut of this movie.
0: That makes a lot of sense because, you know, very early on they're doing exposition on exposition. Literally Mm -hmm. the first 30 minutes of this movie is just exposition and it's horrible. It's terrible. But the movie starts to do less exposition uh, when they got like 30 minutes left and it's mostly action scenes. But Mm -hmm. by the time they do that, they start wrapping up plot lines in ways that make Absolutely no sense. Yes. Whatsoever. And it really yeah. does feel like there is a lot of footage that you just never saw. The big one is being like explaining this MacGuffin of the Oculus or yeah, Aculus yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Now, let me ask you. I, I have initially- never read the second book. Is, is the Oculus like some plot point no, of the Oculus second book? No, a
1: completely made up thing. It doesn't exist. Okay, I think. It, wh- why? Yeah, but- I know. I know. It's crazy. I think what the Oculus actually was is I think they tried to update the book into being something digital. And so I think um, the little acorn is kind of like a, uh, like a Google for uh, the people. Uh, cause the book is their book of laws. And the one nitpick I have with the initial book book is that, um, the people's book that Artemis steals in the beginning has stuff like police procedures in it, which I feel like is a little <laughs> bit unrealistic.
0: <laughs> Just a bit.
1: Just a bit. I get why he did it. But it's fine. Um, but I I think what they wanted to do was boil it down, like update it to like the digital world. So instead of it being a physical book, it's this little acorn. Because if you notice the little acorn, um, you hold it and it starts swirling with gnomish letters around it. So I literally think it's like there to teach you. Like it's just like a digital book in the shape of an acorn. And when they rewrote it to be a super powerful MacGuffin, They just took that footage and changed it.
0: Okay. That makes sense if the movie told us it. But also, (laughs) this magical thing (laughs) does, like, two things. It, like, magically saves them from the time stop device. And then it also magically gets their dad back, I guess.
1: So, like, yeah.
0: yeah. So, like, none of it makes sense at all. Zero.
1: But I think that's why I think that this was a different movie at some point. Because, especially because of the point you just said, was after the time bubble explodes, there's this weird scene where they're all waking up. And we don't know why, except for if the original ending was still in the movie.
0: That might be it. That might 100% be it.
1: Right? That has to be it.
0: Man, this this is so bad. Um, (laughs) Can we talk about what they did to judy dench because i
1: don't know they
0: did a couple things because i she is amazing she has been nominated seven times for an academy award yet they made her i don't know smoke a thousand cigarettes before this movie and then put her in possibly the most ridiculous green Green skin tight costume i've ever seen in my entire life
1: yeah, they also put her on like a motorized scooter for half of it, which was weird.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> but, like all the stuff that she was doing. I loved her in it. I think anytime she was talking, it just made me sad, though, because I was like, oh, you're s- way too good for this movie, Judy. Way too good. And the only time
0: I uh, I had any sort of reaction to this movie was like some moment where Josh Gad made a joke about Judy Dench being David Bowie as a fairy, aka David Bowie, and I went, mm-hmm. "Huh, that's it. That's the most this movie got out of me." I,
1: I felt okay. I felt a tiny spark when the they had defeated. Oh, the troll was coming. And they're all lined up in the front of the house. And Holly is like, I'm going to need my gun. And she, like, indicates to Butler. And Butler starts searching himself for her gun. And then Josh Gad pulls it out and gives it to her. And that was okay. That was, like, an that okay was, joke. Yeah. I yeah. feel like it was, like, the touches of what this movie could have been as, like, an unlikely team coming together to save the day. Um, It obviously wasn't enough.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, actually... I'm going to get into a nitpick, which I feel like there's a thousand nitpicks. I feel like this entire section has been nitpicks, but I want to get into a nitpick that made me very mad. Mm-hmm. And that is they kidnap Holly Short. They take her weird gun that transforms into a bunch of different things. Cool. Including
1: a bow. <laughs> An including
0: arrow. a bow, a sword, and a billion other things. Cool. Yeah. Whatever. I don't mind that. But yeah. Artemis and the butler magically learn how to use these things in yeah. all of mm, six seconds, I guess.
1: Yeah. I also think it's funny that they keep um, walking by Holly's um, Holly's cage in the kitchen and just like doing stuff. It's like they want to keep her involved in the plot. They want her to know <laughs> what's going on.
0: <laughs> yeah, she didn't really have to do anything. <laughs>
1: Well, and it's it's crazy because in the in the book, she's literally captive. The only reason why she's captive is because she doesn't have her magic. And she has a very specific plan to get her magic back. She has to, like, bury this acorn in the ground. And, like, her overcoming that and, like, outsmarting Artemis in his own – prison. in her own – in the prison he built for her is super cool. It's a cool character moment. Ugh, it's just – it sucked. They had everything there and it didn't – it just – they didn't have to ruin it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the worst part, Amanda. Is that this? They <laughs> could have literally just adapted this word for word, word because for word this it been is great. this yeah. is an action book. Yes, this is, this is pure action. Everything in this, everything in this book, takes place over like a day and a half. Yeah. Okay. They didn't have to. They could. There are things in the book that could have easily also been cut. They they didn't have to do this. They just. They didn't have to do this. Yeah. They just didn't.
1: I will say one small change that I didn't mind, and that's being very generous, um, that the movie made was that they made Juliet younger. And I thought they were going to pair up Juliet and Artemis a little bit more. They didn't, which sucked. But for a moment there, I was like, oh, that would be cute. Like, that would be a good idea uh, to have artemis interact with more of his peers i think would make would be a better move for a movie um in the book you don't notice it as much because like i said like it's a lot about all the other characters but with a movie and especially when you're not inside artemis's head you need somebody else there for him to play off of and Juliet would have been a great choice for that so they recast yes. her to younger i thought that was gonna be cool because they were gonna work together they literally talk once in this movie and then she oh, she's completely wasted her, and that's it
0: Yeah, actually, you bringing up Juliet brings me into how I would fix this, okay? And this is what I would do. One, just make it the book. I mean, that's the biggest thing to change. But you're right. Their change to Juliet, I think, was awesome. Yeah. And I think, again, the uh, Hollywood execs want a relatable character that you can... Have your eyes through, which is important in a movie like this, because if you did just kind of follow Artemis without a a relatable character, it would be kind of hard to watch. So I understand why they needed that. They just if they brought Juliet, she's young. And let's say she is a new hire at the Fowl Manor. okay, Mm -hmm. and she is brought in. She doesn't know anything about artemis Fowl, the butler can be like her brother who kind of does the exposition dump for her as well as the audience because the audience is living through her and you sort of get a third person perspective of everything artemis is doing and yeah. it gives you that separation to let him be clever and let him do his thing Yeah, uh, you can still have all of the same stuff. But now you fix Artemis Fowl as a character, but you still get someone who you can have the audience's eyes through. And I feel like they actually did want to do that. I think that's why the Juliet character was in there. But I feel like, unfortunately, they didn't have the guts to let a young African-American female Character essentially be the lead for the audience, which sucks. Which that sucks.
1: Well, especially because, right? This is this is the John Watson solution, right? Sherlock Holmes is not a relatable character. John Watson is, and that's why they're paired up, and the story is told from John's point of view and not Sherlock's point of view, because we would always be two steps behind Sherlock, and that's not fun. So, in the book butler's a little bit that character but you're right like i think especially for a movie adaptation a young female character for him to play off of would be a great stand-in for the audience and yeah they they literally had it on the tips of their fingers of course they threw everything out with this movie so why why wouldn't they throw also throw out the one thing they managed to bring in that was kind of new and interesting
0: it was the one change that i was supportive of
1: yeah, and they same. biffed it.
0: They biffed it so well.
1: They did biff it really hard.
0: <sighs> okay, I want to talk about one last Buck Wild scene. Okay. Uh, do you have do you have anything else you also want to get to?
1: Um I hated the main villain, but if that's the, what you're going to talk about, that's what we can talk about.
0: Uh no, this is actually a specific scene that I hated. Yeah. yeah. At the start of the movie, you're introduced to Artemis Fowl, the X Games cool guy surfing genius. Which, dang it, now I'm realizing is what I wanted as a 12 year old. Um, but he uh, he is brought into his school for some reason, and he is at a therapist's office where you get an exposition dump of him as a character. Okay,
1: where the, there's just windows floor-to-ceiling like, yeah, window that's his that's, session that's, going the, on. that's
0: what i'm trying to say this is the worst <laughs> therapy session i have ever seen because not only is the therapist not asking the right questions and no, he is just terrible. telling he's a terrible therapist he's not letting uh, uh artemis talk he's talking to artemis about how artemis feels which is the opposite of therapy actually yeah. and but there is also these floor to ceiling windows with a waiting room that is completely filled with his peers with, so that yeah. they can what? listen to him talk
1: i was what? so conf- yeah i was so confused by that scene because not only is it filled it's filled with a lot of adults so i didn't know where he was first of all second of all they do they cut to the outside so you can see this super weird waiting room with the floor to ceiling windows with the two of them talking and you can still hear the audio which I know is like a, it's its implied that that's what's being said inside the room. But because you can also now hear it outside the room, it feels like this entire room of people is just listening in on his therapy session.
0: <laughs> this is the worst therapist ever, okay? <laughs> he is doing the opposite of anything he's trying to do.
1: They also reveal in that scene that Artemis' mom is dead, which is like a huge part of First of all, the entire series. But a huge element of the book is that she is alive because he uses her as a sort of test subject for his uh, master plan. And so as soon as I saw that, I'm like, well, they're screwed. How are they going to – what are they going to – so this is going to be completely different. We're not even going to pretend this is the same story. Is that what's going on, guys? And that's exactly what happened.
0: Yeah, they have Artemis Sr., interact with him instead and just kill off his mom which I guess you know in hindsight I should have saw coming because this was bought by Disney so that was probably the first change they made is just get rid of the mom immediately yeah Yeah. (sighs) this was exhausting guys this is (laughs) exhausting is there did you want to talk about the villain real quick
1: the villain was stupid I'll just say that uh halfway through this movie I actually text David and I was like why is this villain's voice disguised? Because it's not a character that we know. Like I know who they are because I've read the book series. So it's like an ultimate villain kind of, but she doesn't show up until the second book. But why is her why is her voice disguised? Usually when her a villain's voice is disguised in a movie, it's because it's a character we've already met. So at first I was like yeah. Dame Judy Dench, secretly the bad guy? Because, okay. That's um, what I thought,
0: too. Because their voices are ridiculously similar. They're
1: a little bit similar. And the silhouette is different, but who knows? It's magic. You know what I mean? I did not understand what the villain wanted, why they were there, why they were disguising their voice from Artemis and the audience. They were just dumb. It was a dumb... It was super dumb. Now...
0: Am I mistaken, or was the villain's voice very similar to Lord Zed from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? I'm trying to remember lord Zed's voice let me let me get this no, this is what I've been looking up
1: it was was like really deep and gravelly. Oh, it's not that different though. I'm listening to it
0: right now. It's not that different.
1: Here's what it reminded me of um it reminded me of the <laughs> Do you remember uh, in Community when the uh, City College comes dressed as the ice cream cone and they have their voice?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it it reminds me of that.
1: Exactly like that.
0: (laughs) Uh, It's bad. Now I will say the movie did get a moment where at the end the bad guy who's been masked this entire time, and I guess they just didn't want to reveal for what they thought would be a series of movies that they were going to get, and I promise you that'll never happen.
1: I think it's um, because they didn't cast that person yet, and they didn't want to pay some, a big actor to be that person.
0: That also might be it, but <laughs> there is a moment where that un... Uh, named villain loses artemis fowl senior and they Mm. just go no that was pretty funny
1: yeah it was like a power rangers villain it had strong power rangers vibes
0: okay then lord zed yes it was lord zed
1: Does fit? yeah i'll give you that okay or the ice cream home from community both of those all all good things them
0: okay is there any other garbage that you want to talk about?
1: This whole movie was
0: garbage. <laughs> Guys, so- I'm going to be honest, like this is one of the worst movies, if not the worst movie I've ever watched, by far. It is the worst adaptation we are probably ever going to have, <laughs> knock on wood, because I it's- I think we have our floor. Like we we have an exploration into why You know, it is so important uh, to do adaptations right because this is just – this is just like a masterclass of disaster.
1: I feel like it's not even an adaptation. The only thing it has in common is some of the names and that's it. Like none of the actual plot made it into the movie. Uh, None of the motivations. The script is wild. Like the dialogue is all over the place. It barely makes sense scenes cut so fast between things. It doesn't even feel like the characters are interacting with each other. And the plot is bananas. And then it explodes in the end and everyone's okay and you don't know why. As soon as like Holly showed up again at the end and Artemis is like, you're late. I was like, why? And then they break out mulch and I'm like, why did Holly need to be here? They literally just helicoptered away with mulch.
0: Yeah, it didn't make any sense. That was really weird. before we end it, I'm just going to give you quick one lines of just like ridiculous things that I noticed before my notes devolved into madness, okay? Okay. Uh first, it it does the cliche where it starts the movie at the end of the movie, which is like always a sign of a crappy movie, okay? Um there is a scene where Artemis Fowl is driving a one-wheeled uh uh like motorized uh, thing. Okay, if you know what a one wheel is, okay? And he does a sick trick, okay?
1: <laughs> I hated that. Weirdest weirdest
0: scene in the world, okay? Uh there's, another thing.
1: Part, hold on. There's a part, let me interject just once. There's a part where Colin Firth, i'm uh, not Colin Firth, Colin Farrell before he disappears, um tells Artemis Fowl that he needs to believe in fairies and Artemis is like I just want to believe in you, Dad, which is the most ridiculous 12-year-old <laughs> could have, I don't know who thinks it was just it was bad. I wrote it down because I was like, no, no. Amanda,
0: you literally read the next nitpick <laughs> I was about to read. I'm not, I'm not even kidding you. That's literally the next thing because I wrote it in quotes so <laughs> I, I could say it.
1: It was the it. only quote I wrote down. It was <laughs> so bad. It literally made me groan out loud. I think that's when I paused it and I was like, okay, how much longer do I have in this movie? Oh no, (laughs) so much. Uh,
0: Another weird thing. The placement of the TV in the kitchen? Super weird. It's literally in the middle of the kitchen.
1: He has like this huge, ginormous, beautiful kitchen and it's a flat screen on a tiny side table. I'm like, did you guys forget to decorate the other half of your kitchen?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I just, I don't know. It's it's not great. Uh, there is a part where Fowley the centaur nays, he does it a couple times, every single time, it's terrible, it's very, very
1: bad. Oh, so bad. (sighs) I, I literally put a guy who's supposed to be like a paranoid hippie in the book and turned him into like this corporate jag, and I don't know why they did it.
0: I don't know either. Like he was also, one of the coolest characters in the book.
1: Yes. Also CGI centaurs. I feel like we should just give up on it.
0: Just give up. It, they're always <laughs> bad. Uh, last one, because after this, I go into absolute madness. Uh, after the time uh, stop is put over uh, the foul manor, Artemis Fowl says something like, Einstein and Hawking's both said time is bending. They were right. And I was like, wait a second. Neither of them said that. Neither of them said that. Um. And that is the end.
1: Yeah, of, I don't think we, I, I can talk about this anymore. I'm going to, here. I'm gonna, those are my notes. I'm putting them
0: All right, guys, that's just going to wrap us up for today. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe where you get podcasts, please. Uh, And just leave us a review um, because we did this for you. We did
1: this for you guys. We jumped in front of this bus so you didn't have to.
0: Please, like, don't watch this. Just don't watch watch this.
1: Don't don't let Disney accidentally believe that they made something good because they see so many people watching this movie. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at Adapted Pod on all those platforms. You can also send us suggestions on what we should talk about next by shooting us an email at stuff at AdaptivePod.com Do you want me to do this part?
0: And special li- thanks to Catloaf for our intro and outro music. It's good, unlike this movie. Please go listen to Catloaf, specifically Astoria Dipmars, which we use uh, on our pad- ca- podcast. Oh, I'm descending here. into madness. Just go look him up on Spotify,
1: please. <laughs> it's real good. Uh, so, we have a behind the scenes update for anyone who's stuck around this long. We will be taking a very short little summer break. Uh, We have some really fun family events going on. Uh, Least of all, well, most important of all, would be David's wedding coming up in just a couple of weeks, which is very exciting. Oh, yeah.
0: That's a thing that's happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's
1: a thing that's happening. So we're going to be off for about six weeks, and then we're going to come back strong mid-August. So we're going to have our 20th Big Boy episode coming out uh, at the beginning of July, and then we're going to take a short break and then be back mid August. So you won't see us for most of July, but we won't be gone for too long. And you can fill up our inbox with suggestions of what we should dive into so you don't have to (laughs) watch or read without knowing if we're good or not.
0: Please.
1: Now, Amanda, what are we doing next again? We are actually going to do something a little bit different. So far, we've mostly done a book. Directly adapted to a movie, we've done some smaller, like novellas that have been or short stories that have been adapted to movies. This time, we are going to do a book that has been adapted into a mini series, and so we will be reading and watching um "Little Fires Everywhere," which has been adapted into a Hulu series. That should be pretty. Yeah,
0: fun. yeah, it's going to be the first of TV shows which we might start uh, diving into again. So, if there's any TV shows you'd like to see, also let us know.
1: Yeah. Uh, so tune in next time to hear about how we rate that adaptation. Until then, keep Josh Gad away from your movies. <laughs> <I'm> sorry, Josh, <laughs> this, is, this is ended things between you and me. I can't do it anymore.
0: <laughs> your relationship with Josh is over.
1: It started off strong when you were Bear Claw on New Girl, and it's only gone downhill from there, unfortunately. So, uh,
0: until then, Judy, if someone tells you to get into another green costume you run away you run away as far as you can
1: until then i don't know it's so hard to make a joke about this it just made me sad
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's where we'll end it okay